This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Many professionals in medicine simply don't have the ability to do many of the things they're perfectly qualified to do. It's largely over licensing and scope of practice. Cato's Jeff Singer details the ways in which pharmacists ought to be allowed to step up to deliver additional care for the people who need it. Where are some opportunities for uh, other medical professionals trained uh, and uh, ready to to take up certain tasks? Where are those opportunities? There are actually a lot of what we doctors call mid-level healthcare practitioners. In other words, they haven't gone all the way to get a doctorate in medicine, but they know a lot about uh, certain aspects of healthcare delivery. And because of licensing laws and scope of practice battles where the different professions lobby legislators to restrict the scope of practice of mid-level professionals who can compete with doctors, we haven't been able to take full advantage of these the talent these people have and the services these people can offer. And it's becoming a particularly uh, a, an acute problem now because we're seeing a worsening shortage of primary health care practitioners, not just the physicians, but nurse practitioners, physician assistants. There's a national shortage of primary care, and there's actually a shortage of multiple uh, medical specialties uh, care. There's a shortage of psychiatrists. There's a shortage of a lot of specialists. And anybody who's tried to get an appointment recently with a, a physician's office likely knows what I'm talking about because sometimes it could be a wait for months just for a routine uh, visit. Um, so we have uh, in our midst pharmacists who are actually trained to know more than just counting the pills in one large bottle and transferring them into a smaller bottle. These people are experts in in the, in the, the pharmaceuticals, uh, how they interact with other drugs, how they uh, react in different people with different medical conditions. Uh, and in fact, we, we doctors routinely consult pharmacists. Uh, sometimes when I'm, as a surgeon, I, my, the most common medications I prescribe are antibiotics and pain medications. But sometimes my patients uh, will have other medications in there that they're taking from other doctors, some of which I'm not as familiar with because I don't work in those fields. And I'll oftentimes call the pharmacist and say, I want to prescribe this antibiotic for my patient. Uh, he's on you know, this medicine that I'm not too familiar with. Is it okay for me to, to prescribe this antibiotic? And occasionally I'll get, well, actually that will react wrong with that one. Uh, could I suggest an alternative? And I'm all ears, suggest an alternative. You, you, know, you know this stuff. So these are very talented people and they could be doing a lot of things they're not permitted because of scope of practice laws to do. So we all saw during the COVID pandemic that they can perform vaccinations. And of course, they were most states were allowing pharmacists to vaccinate people before COVID. But now uh, everyone is, they're all letting, there's no argument against it anymore. So we see they can give vaccinations, which saves a lot of people time. You don't have to make an appointment with your doctor, maybe take off work early. So you can get a flu shot. You can get it at you know, your local CVS or Walgreens or Walmart or whatever. So that's helpful. But um, uh, uh, they could do a lot more. They could perform tests. They could prescribe medications for routine things. Now, keep in mind, these are professionals. So they're not going to try to diagnose complex illnesses and treat complex illnesses. But, but so many people have routine, everyday kind of 
ailments where when they're going to their primary care doctor, they already kind of know what's going to happen. You know, if you think you have a sore throat and you may have a strep throat, you know your doctor's going to perform the test to see if you have a strep throat and then put you on an antibiotic for it. You already know that going in. It's just that you got to invest like six hours to get this taken care of. Pharmacists could do that. So uh, several years ago in New Zealand, uh, they actually uh, uh, changed their laws to allow pharmacists to uh, prescribe virtually every medication that you could prescribe and to perform routine tests to treat common disorders. And, uh, and then recently, uh, and I think it was in 2019, um, the state of Idaho became the first state in the union to do the same thing. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Idaho, uh, I'm sorry, Monta Idaho was the first state to do it. Shortly thereafter, Montana uh, enacted a very similar law, and so did Colorado. Uh, the province of Alberta, Canada, has been also uh, allowing pharmacists uh, uh, full practice authority for some time. So you can um, go to your pharmacy just to pick up your prescription that your physician prescribed, but you could also go to your pharmacy to get checked out for a common urinary tract infection or upper respiratory illness to get tested for, they, they could test you for COVID and they could, if if it's indicated, prescribe, um, you know, Paxlovid, for example, or Tamiflu for influenza. Uh, they could perform these tests and prescribe. Think about how this would help with the physician and primary healthcare sh shortage. Um, you know, pharmacies are much more abundant than doctor's offices there. And a lot of them are in very rural and remote areas. You could, even if you're in a remote part of the state, you could probably get to a pharmacy much more readily than you can get to an emergency, an urgent care center or a doctor's office. And if it's a routine thing, you can go to the pharmacist and uh, get it treated. Um, it's, it's likely that if more and more states start to allow pharmacists to, to do this, uh, a, a, a greater proportion of a pharmacist's time will be spent uh, on asking you questions about your symptoms and performing the test and prescribing. Um, and there would be, a, a, I would expect they would charge a fee for that service, not just for the, you know, for the cost of the test and the cost of the, the, the prescript, the drug. And, and that's fine. That's fine. And that's, it's the more, the more people who are able to offer these services, the better for the consumer. Cause at the end of the day, that's what we're supposed to be concerned about the healthcare consumer. And for physicians, uh, being freed up, uh, not to take appointments that are for absolutely low level routine, uh, illnesses or ailments, like you mentioned strep throat, that's there. It doesn't just doesn't seem like, uh, that's the kind of thing for which we should be compelled to make an appointment with a physician or go to the a more expensive urgent care center. Right. Uh, and you would think that, uh, the medical professionals would say, "Oh, great, thanks. Please, yeah, please let them do this because uh, you know I'm I'm swamped and I I need I need to have somebody take some of the burden off of me." Unfortunately, that's not what we tend to see uh, at state capitals. We tend to see the representatives of the medical professions uh, kind of balk against this, and of course, they never say we don't want more competition from other healthcare uh, fields. They usually you know, frame it in language that says, well, we're very concerned that this might not be safe for the patient, that the pharmacist might get in over his head. 
Of course, pharmacists, like doctors, are professionals, and they got concerns about liability just like doctors do, and they're not going to want to get in over their heads. So, um, you know, if it's a routine thing, um, they're going to feel comfortable taking care of it. And they they certainly know as much about the drug interactions as the doctor who would be prescribing the medicine would know. But if, for example, uh, you know, a person comes to the same pharmacy, you know, four times in two months to get treated for urinary tract infection. The pharmacist is likely to say, look, this is the fourth time you've been here for the same thing. There might be something else going on uh, that other than just you got a bladder infection. You might have some underlying prostate problem or kidney problem. Uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I think you should go see your doctor about this because they're more qualified than I am to, to evaluate that. Not only would I would expect them to do that because why would they want to take on the liability of not doing that? Uh, but they're professionals, and as professionals, you know, we do all professionals. We have a code of ethics, which is at the end of the day to do the right thing. So, so they, there's no reason to think they wouldn't be just as ethical as as doctors. So, and and pharmacists are more likely to have those sort of routine interactions with people that physicians are not. Yeah, they see them every day when they're coming in for other things. Uh, you know, they're not just coming in to get themselves evaluated and treated. They're coming to buy things, stock up on band aids, whatever, or come in with a friend or, or or relative. So yeah, they 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 do interact with the community a lot. They they also kind of have a better kind of sense of that community's uh, you know uh vibe so to speak another another important area is when it comes to things like uh uh birth control pills as, as you know aside from the the mini pill which finally has been uh allowed to be uh sold over the counter all uh the the um a combination birth control pills still require a prescription even though the american college of obgyns and the american academy of family practice and the ama have been for years saying you should be able to get this over the counter. So um, uh, most states have come up with workarounds where uh, they've either, their legislatures have said pharmacists can prescribe uh, combination birth control pills, or uh, they have what they call a standing order where a doctor can issue an order and say, uh, I'll take responsibility, put the prescription under my name. And if any, if these group of people come into your, pharmacy wanting to get birth control pills, just give it to them under my name as a standing order. So uh, many states have have gone that route as a workaround for the prescription laws. So there's another area where pharmacists, why can't they be prescribing, even though it should be over the counter, why can't they be prescribing birth control pills? Uh, also, uh, um, HIV pre and post exposure prophylaxis. A few states have enacted laws allowing pharmacists to prescribe that. That's a very important uh, as we're seeing increased cases of, of HIV, both from from uh, sexual uh, transmission and from intravenous drug use. So if you can get uh, pre- or post-exposure prophylaxis, which dramatically r- reduces the incidence of HIV, it should be as easy as possible to get, not more difficult to get. Now, like I say, in Idaho, where they passed this landmark law, uh, pharmacists could do all that. They could prescribe uh, birth control pills, HIV, pre- and post-exposure. Basically, they could prescribe uh, virtually anything that uh, routine and preventative care would require a pharmacist to be able to prescribe. 
Jeff Singer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening.